Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. We are not right because we are smarter. We are right because we are more honest. That is proven true time and time and time again. And this latest polling from CNN proves something we've been saying here for the last month. I mean, it it, it can't be said more clearly. And we said it exactly right. Nearly everybody running for president can beat Joe Biden. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Find everything at TonyCats.com. The phone number 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. This is a poll that was done, and I get it. You don't have to believe the poll. I never believed just one poll. Never, ever, never, ever, never, ever do I believe just one poll. By the way, the, the, the story at CNN, Biden's unpopularity could give Trump his shot at reclaiming power, but not just Trump. It shows what it would look like in a general election between the Republican candidates and Joe Biden. I agree with you. I agree you cannot trust one poll, and the people who are Trump supporters can certainly say so, except this poll plays in their favor where it says Trump 47, Biden 46. And you say to me, Tony, that's in the margin of error. A guy who has been indicted four times and hated by America is 47-46. That's the story. Except that's not the whole story. It's not the whole story. The story is much, much greater than that. The story is that the polling, as it is played out, shows DeSantis 47, Biden 47. So Trump has a better chance against Biden? Statistically, no. But just like in the other case, you have plenty of support. Nikki Haley, 49, Joe Biden, 43. That's Nikki Haley, whom I discounted early. And as I went back over her debate performance, I'm like, she she scored. Her uh, national security, her foreign policy conversation uh, and back and forth with Vivek Ramaswamy, she won that, hands down. And you go back over it and you're like, yeah, she did. Just like Vivek Ramaswamy beat the living snot out of Chris Christie in that debate. And, and that's what happens. Governor Christie got beat up. And he, he was like flat-footed, like he had never been in a debate before. It was crazy to watch. That's what Nikki Haley did to Ramaswamy. Mike Pence, 46, Joe Biden, 44. That is amazing. Because I think that Mike Pence has one of the hardest roads ahead of him. Not only from the Trump supporter who sees him as a traitor regarding January 6th and will never vote for him. Let's remember that the political left will claim, oh, Mike Pence, you mean the guy who hates gay people? And it's off to the races on that. Oh, yeah, he did right by his country right until he's the nominee and then he's worse than Hitler. That's what they're going to say because that's what they said about Trump. Remember, Trump is worse than Hitler, or Trump is Hitler and Pence is worse. And then it's Trump is Hitler and DeSantis is worse. It doesn't matter. They'll use the Holocaust as their political prop, as as a political crutch. It's despicable when that happens. But that's exactly what they're going to say. Pence has, to me, one of the tougher roads ahead. Tim Scott, 46, Joe Biden, 44. 
Chris Christie, 44, Joe Biden, 42. The only guy in, in the polling results that I have who's losing, Biden, 46, Ramaswamy, 45. Now, that can be argued as a name ID thing. People don't yet know Vivek Ramaswamy. The story here is, is, is proof of something we've been saying. Nearly any one of these candidates can beat Joe Biden. But really, this, this polling is about a continuation of a conversation you have and others have, and it's factual. No one has faith in Joe Biden. Joe Biden's too old. Joe Biden's policies are terrible. This administration is a bunch of children. Yes, Joe Biden won in 2020. Yes, Joe Biden was able to, uh, or, or I should say Democrats did not lose as many seats as thought in, in 2022. Yes, Joe Biden has gotten uh, a policy uh, passed through Congress. He's had legislation passed, not good legislation, but he's gotten quote unquote legislative victories. And I don't rule anybody out. You got to fight like hell to get the result that you want. But this polling is proof that we understand what's going on. That it's much more about Joe Biden than it is about any Republican candidate. And the vast majority of Republican candidates can beat Joe Biden. At least there's an appetite for it. That's the story. That's the takeaway. We have plenty of uh, candidate choices and Biden is as weak as we think. Just one poll you don't believe? Okay, don't believe. We'll wait for the next one. How to support your veterans in need. That story is up next. I'm Tony Katz. Over this coming weekend, I will be in Brownsburg, Indiana. Yes, I have a sponsor, Premier Arms, fantastic group of people, PremierArms.com, who've been with the show now for for over a a year. They run a uh, gun uh, store, firearm store, accessories. They also have a jewelry store because they buy estate goods. They'll buy estate guns. They buy estate jewelry, PA Jewelers. And one of the things that has made our relationship so unique is that they are very committed to to the give back as people would call it they they do work with a group called echo dogs which is about rescue of white german shepherds i didn't even know that was a thing tony katz tony katz today find everything at tonykatz.com uh i've done book signings there we've raised money together for a group called brownsburg blessing boxes which helps people uh in that western part uh, of central indiana uh, get fed feeding people in in need uh, There are people who are like, you know what, we've done well, let's try and help others do well. So they're celebrating their 22nd anniversary. Normally, that wouldn't be a subject that I bring to you, except I like to be supportive of sponsors who are supportive of the show, so we're allowed to bring the show to you. You should support every sponsor on the station. Any sponsor on the station you should be supportive of. Uh, But that they're doing it, the entire event, as a benefit uh, for the Veterans of Foreign Wars, Department of Indiana Veterans Suicide Awareness, and I discuss my own uh, battles with depression and and, and being uh, suicidal, takes place Saturday at 4 p.m. there at Premier Arms in Brownsburg. Sheila Corcoran joins me right now. She is the Indiana Department Commander of Veterans of Foreign uh, Wars, also a registered nurse at Whittem Hospital uh, in uh, Lebanon. I think I pronounced it wrong. I think it's Witham, W-I-T-H-A-M. It's Witham, correct? That is correct, Witham. I should have gotten it right the first time. That's why you should always show up to rehearsal, <laughs> Commander. I appreciate you, you you being with us. I know that you will be there at this event. But this this conversation of veteran suicide, I believe it's 22 veterans a day 
committing suicide. Uh, is this a new phenomenon? Certainly people who engage in, 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 in war or engage in service have different issues than maybe the rest of us. But this number is shocking. It almost seems impossible. Is this a new phenomenon or has this been going on for a while? Uh, Tony, I don't believe it's a new phenomenon. I believe this has been going on quite a while. It's just we are now tracking it. You know, uh, back World War II, Korea, Vietnam, you came back, you didn't discuss it. You never discussed what was going on. And I know from my own personal upbringing with my parents, we never discussed our emotions, you know, with outside people. Whatever happened stayed inside the family. So I think just the fact that we are now discussing it uh, and getting it out there is why we're now getting these statistics. You yourself uh, served, uh, you served in Baghdad 2006 to 2008. Uh, this was Operation Iraqi Freedom. You were a civil affairs officer in charge of a civil military operations center. Uh, you retired from the Army Reserve after 24 years of service the idea that something is being talked about now is different than whether or not the issue has already existed uh, already exists or or has been existing um describe that issue describe in in your conversations with veterans what is it uh, that you hear what is it, it maybe there's a ranking was there a top line issue is there a series of issues what is it um, Tony, I think it's a series of issues. One of the things the military does for us is prepare us to go to combat. And they're really good about doing that, getting us all the proper tools and all the proper training. Then they bring you back. Now, I was in a reserve unit when I came back, and I deployed out of uh, Fort Bragg, North Carolina. I was gone from my home for about a year and a half or so, and then when I come back, we, de- we out-process, and I'm back home in less than two weeks. Everybody I deployed with in my particular situation was scattered across the country. So I come back, and I come home, and I'm by myself. I don't have the people I just spent the last year and a half with training with. So you go from having somebody with you 24-7 to all of a sudden you're on your own. And, yes, uh, the families are really great, and you're, everybody's glad to be back. But the family doesn't know exactly what you've been through. They don't know the situations, what you might have seen. And so you lose that camaraderie. You lose that um, close-knit feeling you have with all your friends. And I think, you know, the military just does not prepare us for that, for coming home. They are finally getting better. They're finally uh, uh, preparing people for discharge now. But, like, when I came home, like I said, I flew back into Fort Bragg and then boom, I was home in a week and a half and I didn't talk to anybody about it, you know, because I was home. Talking to Sheila Corcoran, uh, Indiana Department Commander of Veterans of Foreign Wars uh, this uh, Saturday uh, at 4 p.m. at Premier Arms in Brownsburg. Um, Big fundraiser. Uh, It is Premier Arms, their 22nd anniversary, and they are taking the the, the dollars to uh, benefit the Veterans of Foreign Wars, Department of Indiana, Veteran Suicide Awareness, 22 veterans a day uh, committing suicide. benefiting veteran suicide awareness what does that actually mean people are gonna they're gonna buy a raffle ticket they're gonna participate in a in a in a live auction they're gonna participate in a silent auction they're gonna give their money people have sponsored this event 
the money itself, where does it go, how much of the money goes there, and what is the results that you have seen when you have been able to fund these kinds of programs? Okay, so the money is being donated to the Veterans of Foreign Wars Department of Indiana. What we're doing with that money, it's going to be divided between two programs, Mission 22 and then CAV Art, Creative Art for Veterans. What the VFW does, the commander has a special project the year that they're in, and I picked those two projects. So to, to help get the word out, 100% of the money that is donated will go to these two uh, not-for-profits. Jolie and Bryce Curry with Premier Arms do a marvelous job of getting this together. They've gotten lots of donations, and then that's how the money is raised. And then we will present this money uh, later on as, as time goes on. The money will be given to us, and then we will send it out to the two organizations. So one of them is, as you said, Art, I, I forget the name of the other one. Describe to me what these organizations do and the level of success uh, that they've had. Okay. So Mission 22, that was actually founded, I can't remember exactly when, but it was by three Green Berets down in Nashville. While they were in Indiana, while they were in Afghanistan, their team leader had to uh, unfortunately kill someone and when he came back it was just too overpowering and he ended up taking his own life well what mission 22 does they focus on the veterans the families in the community that's that's their three pillars and so with the veterans they're trying to help them with the the ptsd traumatic brain injury military sexual trauma, they get them the help they need almost immediately, as quickly as they can. Uh, they also work on the families, making sure the families are getting the uh, support that they need, the counseling they need, and then they work with the communities trying to get other groups involved um, to help with this. Red Earls, he is a senior ambassador here in Indiana. He's involved with this, and he will be at the event on Saturday. His brother was in the Army, and his brother committed suicide after coming back. And so that's a little bit about Mission 22. Cav Art is creative art for veterans. It was The co-creator is retired Colonel Todd Burkhart, who spent um, 25 years, 28 years in the military. This is out of IU Bloomington, and they take a little bit of a different approach. They're using arts and um, because evidence uh, research shows that if you work on the art-based wellness and they use uh, horses, uh, different activities like yoga and Tai Chi, it uh, decreases the negative feelings with stress, anxiety, depression, and trauma. I know I went to a, a, a veteran support outing and Cav Art was there, and the emotions that they got with the people that were working with their different arts, the different activities they had planned was very uh, uh, relieving for these people, getting the word out. And Cav Art puts together these packages that they uh, uh, distribute to different people that helps you express your feelings uh, with art. With art. Excuse me. 
Talking to Sheila Corcoran, uh, the Indiana Department Commander of the Veterans of Foreign Wars. Uh, you can uh, join her. Uh, I will uh, be there Saturday, uh, September 9th, uh, 4 p.m. Uh, that is Premier Arms in Brownsburg, 3754 South Green Street in Brownsburg, raising money for the Veterans of Foreign Wars, Department of Indiana Veteran Suicide Awareness. There'll be food. It's free. Drinks, they're free. Entertainment, it's free. Live auctions, silent auctions. You can make donations. Do all sorts of things. Um, We discussed that it is difficult for members of the military to discuss what is happening to them. And and that that's different than whether a subject is taboo, right? It's the idea of you're supposed to be strong and, and when you're having an issue, it is seen as, as weak. It's something that I, I, I certainly don't think that people should think is weak. Handle your problems in the way you would handle any other problem, whether it be a cold or cancer or anything else. Uh, you, you, you engage with it and, and you fight the thing to end up victorious to the very best uh, of of your ability um the the issue that we're seeing across the country is this just what ha- is, is this just the experiences is this uh in in your view a setup of how the military operates um is this something that is is cultural a- a- as well and what is it that that you say to people um, in, in an effort to try and get them, uh, veterans, and those connected to veterans, to seek out the help that they need? One of the things that the Veterans of Foreign Wars does, the American Legion, the other service organizations, is by having these groups, when you come back from wherever military mission you are on, um, you get to these organizations, you talk to these people in there, and it helps you communicate with people that are like-minded. Now, there's many groups out there. Some of them are on the internet. The thing is, we want people to get out and talk. Uh, You know, it used to be you never talked about that, and uh, people died while cleaning their guns when in actuality it it was intentional. So if you get people, I believe, out and talking amongst each other, it helps relieve those issues because you find out that there's other people out there that have those issues, that you are not alone. And that is one of the good things with the veteran service uh, organizations. The other thing that we do is very good is we have service officers. So if you get out of the military and you've been injured, we can hook you up and try to get you the benefits that you have earned while you're in the military. You know, you've lost your hearing, which makes you feel isolated. You have chronic pain, which makes you feel isolated. Studies have shown that if you get people into the VA system, veterans into the VA system and get them into proper care and treatment, the suicide rate does go down. Uh, So if we can get people to talk, get them the help they need, I think this will help. Sheila Cochran, uh, Indiana Department Commander of the Veterans of Foreign Wars, this Saturday, nine uh, Saturday, September 9th, I should say, uh, 4 p.m. at Premier Arms in Brownsburg, 3754 South Green Street, their big 22nd anniversary celebration, and all of it to benefit the Veterans of Foreign Wars, Department of Indiana, Veterans Suicide Awareness, the food is free, the drinks are free, there's entertainment, live auctions, silent auctions, starts at 4 p.m. Commander Cochran will be there, I will be there. Sheila Cochran, I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. I've got more to get to. Find everything at TonyCats.com. This is Tony Katz Today.
So Brad Chambers gives himself $5 million. Not a small bit of change when you consider he gave it to himself. You got to understand the former Secretary of Commerce. Uh, he has had a successful, successful life. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. The question is, is $5 million just to start for what he's going to put into his campaign? Is this a guy who's going to raise money? And is this normal for a gubernatorial race in Indiana? And we're not even talking about the race. We're talking about the primary. Peter Blanchard joins me right now from the Indianapolis Business Journal. You can find his work at ibj.com. He covers state government. Wrote of the story, Brad Chambers gives his gubernatorial campaign $5 million boost. And and this is the question. Uh, Is this for a primary a lot of money? Or is this really a drop in the bucket considering you have to spend against guys like very wealthy Mike Braun and very wealthy Eric Doden? Well, Tony, and, and thank you for having me on. Uh, well, you know, I think it's, it's nothing to scoff at, you know, especially when you look at the fact that the other candidates in the race, uh, Senator Mike Braun, Lieutenant Governor Suzanne Crouch, uh, Eric Doden, the businessman from Fort Wayne, they've already raised several million for their campaigns. But, but this $5 million uh, check that uh, Brad Chambers has written himself really um, is sort of playing catch up. He's, he's now right in the middle of the pack. Um, and he's got, you know, formidable uh, campaign cash at this point to mount, uh, you know, a pretty uh, substantive, uh, you know, primary campaign in what is really expected to be the most competitive primary uh, governor election in Indiana that we've had in 20 years. So when you take a look at the money on hand, Mike Braun has 4.6 million cash on hand. That It's not that he doesn't have more, it's that in, in the campaign itself. Lieutenant Governor Suzanne Crouch, people forget about this. While I saw the introduction of Chambers to this race as very detrimental to her future, going after a lot of the, uh, that, that same, uh, same establishment uh, support, 3.8 million cash on hand. She has always been very good at the fundraising. Eric Doden, as you mentioned, businessman out of Fort Wayne, with $3.7 million. While he doesn't have the name ID, and certainly outside of Facebook ads, you haven't heard much of him. That is a lot of cash. People like Curtis Hill, the former attorney general, are going to have the support of grassroots, not so much the cash uh, support. We talk about competitive. Is there a number figure you're looking at that in order to win this race, you're going to have to spend X? And what is that X? That's a great question. And, um, you know, that sort of remains to be seen. I mean, it is, you know, relatively early. Uh, Of course, you know, it seems like every election cycle uh, seems to start earlier and earlier each year. But, uh, you know, we've got, uh, you know, eight months or so until the primary. So still lots of time left to see how things shape out. I do think, um, you know, I think Brad Chambers would be willing to dip into his uh, you know, a personal fortune to, to mount a more competitive campaign. But his campaign has also said, you know, they're going to get out there and uh, travel around the state. Um, they're going to meet with a lot of business leaders. And I think, you know, Brad has shown uh, as a real estate developer and as the Secretary of Commerce that he's a great networker. He knows how to raise money. And um, it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out. I think you know, I think you could see this could end up being the most expensive, uh, you know, primary election in Indiana that we've had uh, in some time in terms of the governor's race. Talking to Peter Blanchard of the Indianapolis Business Journal, IBJ.com, uh, the 
idea that Suzanne Crouch, the lieutenant governor, has a much tougher road now because of Brad Chambers, former secretary of commerce for the state, getting into this race. Is that my imagination or are there people discussing the fact that while, while she was able to pile on with some endorsements very, very early, it, it's hard to fight against Chambers' success when it could be so easily uh, put at arm's length from the issues that many in the Republican Party have with Governor Holcomb and his leadership during COVID, et cetera, that they consider they would consider Suzanne Crouch to have been a part of. Yeah, and I think you're you're already starting to see, you know, uh, the lieutenant governor distance herself uh, from the Holcomb administration. Um, you know, talking about how. She she didn't agree with, you know, Governor Holcomb's decision to veto the transgender sports ban. Uh, you know, she's she's come out and said things that would seem to indicate that she's uh, more conservative than, say, her record lets on. Um, and I think, you know, Brad Chambers entering the race not only makes it difficult for her, but makes it difficult for the other candidates as well. It means they're going to have to spend more money. Uh, Senator Braun has said, you know, he's not going to self-fund this campaign. Um, but, you know, he may find himself in a position where if he wants to, uh, you know, shore up this nomination, and I, I do think he is the, uh, you know, the presumed front runner at this point, I think it's his race to lose, he might have to pony up some cash as well. Um, but, you know, in, in, in talking with some people who, who work with Brad Chambers and, and are advising him on his campaign, they really feel that, you know, the other candidates in the race, Curtis Hill, uh, Suzanne Crouch, Mike Braun, as they position themselves as hardline conservatives, you know, Brad Chambers really sees a lane for himself as a, as a pragmatic Republican, uh, you know, a Mitch Daniels-style conservative who isn't necessarily that interested in debating social issues or the culture war issues of the day. He wants to talk about things like, you know, the cost of living and, and, and growing the state's economy. Now, obviously, he, you know, he's going to have to answer some tough questions about, uh, you know, what he thinks about things like mask mandates, uh, the ban on, on transgender health care, Indiana's abortion ban. Um, but he is, you know, much more interested in uh, kind of positioning himself as a moderate, uh, I would even say Holcomb-type Republican. Brad Chambers positioning himself as a Holcomb-style Republican, well, that can be kind of be seen when you take a look at who's with him. You've got Matt Huckleby, who's the former executive director of the Indiana GOP as a campaign manager. You've got Kyle Hupfer, who was the chair of the Indiana Republican Party, serving as campaign chair. Uh, Jennifer Hallowell, long in uh, Indiana politics as the senior communications advisor. And uh, you've got Marty Oates, uh, who was the longtime advisor in a tremendous amount of work with then-governor and vice president Mike Pence as a senior strategist. Now, now full dis disclosure, I, I don't know uh, Matt Huckleby. I have had many words to say about Kyle Hupfer's uh, tenure, though I have uh, helped in fundraising work uh, with um, a, uh, a liquor store group that he is a part of. I like full disclosure. Marty Opes and I have had many uh, a conversation, and I have had uh, uh, a coffee before and a cigar with Jennifer Hallowell. I always like the full disclosure. If you're trying to distance yourself from Holcomb, or as I would argue, the party has issues with Holcomb. This is a very weird move that you surround yourself with with a whole bunch of people who are connected to Holcomb. And as you just said, trying to run as a Holcomb-style Republican, I don't know if that dog hunts with this Republican Party. How does? Why does he think the opposite? 
Well, I think he, you know, I think he sees an opportunity to, um, you know, maybe tone down some of the, the rhetoric that's been, uh, that's been going on within his own party. I think he sees, um, you know, maybe this is a war of attrition. Maybe he's, he's looking at these other candidates, uh, you know, positioning themselves as hardline conservatives. He sees a lane for himself as, as a pragmatist, someone who's focused on, say, you know, the kitchen table issues. Um, you know, and I think it, it's going to be interesting to see how he sort of answers questions about, you know, uh, his thoughts on, on Governor Holcomb's tenure. I do think, you know, the two of them have a, a pretty close relationship. And I think what you're getting at is sort of a, a rift in the party right now. You know, you're seeing, um, you know, a lot of the base is upset with how uh, Governor Holcomb handled the COVID pandemic in terms of mask mandates and, and lockdowns. Uh, you know, there was also a, a lot of people upset about him vetoing the transgender uh, youth sports ban. So I think, you know, you're seeing Brad sort of aligning himself with, with people who have stuck by Holcomb. As you mentioned, you know, Kyle Hupfer, uh, uh, Matt Huckleby. These are, you know, veteran Republican strategists, and I would say establishment Republicans who really have been around for a long time. They know the game. Uh, they know how to, you know, get out the vote and shore up support. But, you know, as we saw uh, at the uh, GOP convention in 2020, a lot of delegates bucked the establishment when they nominated uh, Diego Morales over Holcomb's, um, you know, Holcomb's incumbent uh, secretary of state. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out. And I am, you know, wondering if, uh, if Brad can get the support he needs in this day and age when, you know, it seems like the Mitch Daniels era of uh, Republican politics in Indiana seems like a distant memory. Well, I, I always wonder whether it is indeed the idea of we need the Mitch Daniels era. I have no issue with, with Mitch Daniels. Or if some of these subjects just have to be answered and they can't simply be told, you can't simply tell Hoosiers, well, that's just noise and it's not serious. It's extremely serious when if we're going to discuss, uh, I think if Hoosiers are discussing kitchen table issues, well, whether or not their child gets to make it to a sports team because somebody else is deciding that their child who has changed their gender, feel the air quotes, um, uh, is 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 now taking their spot. So I do think it has become a kitchen table uh conversation and one that I think that when you see this group uh, whether I, I like them or, 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 or don't uh, like them as people, um, it, it certainly opens the door for someone like Curtis Hill to be able to make that claim that the establishment is not interested in what's happening to your children and, and to your lives and to culture uh, on, on a daily basis. I think that is going to be a very, very large talking point in these uh, debates. And this this group gives uh, to some level, especially with Huckabee and Hupfer, gives uh, that opening talking to uh, Peter Blanchard of the Indianapolis business. Business Journal, Brad Chambers, putting $5 million into his uh, campaign, and they're all going to end up running against Jennifer McCormick, uh, the, the the Democrat, the former Republican. She has $200,000, has more than $200,000 cash on hand, as you uh, report. There were some people discussing that Jennifer McCormick, there's a path for her to win a, a general election. Democrats have been desperate to win a statewide election for a good long time. And, and not being uh, successful in the main. Um, anybody think that there is a candidate that Democrats would rather Jennifer McCormick run against? That's a good question. You know, um, you, you mentioned uh, uh, 
some of the reporting around McCormick's campaign, uh, her campaign released some internal polling data to Axios uh, Indianapolis today, uh, showing that how she would fare against, uh, you know, if Braun were the nominee, if Crouch were the nominee, if Curtis Hill were the nominee. And it shows that Mike Braun would, would hold an 11-point edge over uh, McCormick if, if Senator Braun were to be the nominee. So I think she'd have a really tough time beating him. I think if you look at those polls, it's a little bit of a tighter race with Crouch, and then it's sort of neck and neck if Curtis Hill were the nominee, right? So I think Democrats would like to see, uh, you know, Curtis Hill get that nomination because, you know, he he is such a, a, a divisive candidate for, for so many people and would maybe, you know, turn away more of a moderate Republicans who, um, you know, don't want to don't want to want to steer the conversation away from say more social issues and mask mandates things like that um you know and obviously you know curtis hill's uh you know reputation and the way he left office the first time mired in scandal i think that's also on their mind so you know i think and as you've seen with a lot of uh you know competitive uh races you know uh for example you had uh doug mastriano in pennsylvania you had uh josh shapiro the democratic uh, gubernatorial nominee at the time, giving money to a Republican's campaign because they wanted him to get the nominee because they understood that he uh, was driving away more moderate voters. Now, I don't think uh, the National Democratic Party is interested in investing that much in Indiana, given how solidly conservative the state has been. But I think Democrats are looking at Curtis Hill and saying, hey, if this guy's the nominee, I think we have a shot. Uh, that is kind of like a, a takeoff of the late Rush Limbaugh's theory about Operation Chaos when you're talking about giving to Republican candidates. We will keep following this. Peter Blanchard, Indianapolis Business Journal, IBJ.com. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. I've got more to get to. I'm Tony Katz. So will we see the indictment of Hunter Biden? Your guess is as good as mine. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Find it all at TonyKatz.com. You have to trust that David Weiss, the special counsel, U.S. attorney in Delaware, is actually going to make this happen. Joe, uh, not Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, not protected by any plea deal anymore. Remember the sweetheart plea deal, the two uh, tax issues, and of course, lying on a federal form, Form 4473, to purchase a firearm. No, I don't, I don't do any drugs. Man wrote a book about his drug use. Oh, I don't use any drugs. Lied on a federal form. That's uh, a crime. They want to give him pre-trial diversion is what they called it. Pre-trial diversion. You weren't getting that deal. Kodak Black, the rapper, didn't get that deal. And that guy has plenty of other issues. Just saying, Hunter Biden gets that deal. And then the plea deal went up in smoke. As I see it, the lawyers were lying to the judge. And the judge asked the question, um, does this plea deal cover everything? Or could future charges be brought? And Hunter's lawyers were like, oh, it covers everything. And the DOJ was like, well, no, future charges can be brought. And then the lawyers freaked out because, well, they got caught. They got caught in trying to put a fast one past the judge. And I don't know why the judge isn't angry. I mean, I don't know all the internals. But, man, I, I think the judge should be outraged because it's disgusting. We, the American people, should be outraged. And I'm the one saying it was trying to pull a fast one. I don't think I'm wrong about that. So now you hear uh, that, well, there, there has to be a, an indictment. Or, you know, that's that's done by September 29th. You got to bring it to a grand jury because there's there's rules, there's this law, there's this act, etc. And now you have the special counsel saying, well, we're going to 
impanel the grand jury and we're going to try and bring this indictment by September 29th. So people are like, ooh, Hunter's going to get indicted. No, Hunter might not get indicted. I don't know if this is going to happen. Why, why would I believe for one second uh, in, in, in David Weiss, who worked with Hunter Biden's late brother, Bo Biden? Why, why would I believe that David Weiss, who wasn't going to bring charges regarding uh, the, the, the tax issues, not paying the taxes, fraud, whatever you want to call it, why would I believe that this guy who wasn't going to bring those charges, he didn't want to bring the charges until the two whistleblowers came out, and then he felt like he had no choice. Only Trump gets indicted. Trump could get indicted on everything, anything. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it's a felony. It doesn't matter if it's a crime. Makes no difference. We'll do a RICO situation and try and get one person to plead guilty so we can say Trump is guilty as part of a conspiracy. It doesn't matter what we do. They can do that all day long. I have no idea if Hunter Biden's going to get indicted. I don't know. Why would I believe it? I hope. I hope so. And, and not just because I have some issue or axe to grind with Hunter Biden. I hope so because we should be a nation of laws and we should have equal application and no one should be above it. And we should not have a two-tier justice system. We need to ensure that we've got a system that we can all believe in. And right now, most people don't believe. Find everything at TonyCats.com tomorrow, everyone. Take care.